On the battlefield, the Physician Assistance Medical Support is a lifeline, enabling the troops to survive enemy fire, extreme desert conditions, and even routine coughs and colds. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and this is the Clinician's Roundtable. Our guest today is Captain Jason Lunsford, a physician assistant on active duty in Iraq. Captain Lunsford, we thank you for your service and welcome to ReachMD. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me today. What words of advice would you offer a PA considering enlisting in the military? Do you mean a civilian trained PA? Either a civilian or someone considering enlisting and then going into the inner service program. I'd tell them to go for it. You know, by all means, you know, it, it, it's a hard choice to make, especially in today's army. You know, we are we are at war, and uh, and it's it's difficult. The army does have uh, a lot of very good incentives, especially now, to bring you know civilian PAs on. But the one thing I can say is that it's very rewarding. Uh, it's an eye opener. I, I think I have a lot more autonomy. Again, without being a, a civilian PA or have ever been a civilian PA, I can't really speak on that side of the house, but. You know, I do have a lot of autonomy out here. You know, the Army has put me through some, some very good training, and i uh, thankful for that because, uh, you know, I've had to utilize that on more than one occasion since I've been out here. I just say it's a very good experience. You get to travel. You definitely get, you know, stationed in Germany, Hawaii, and you probably will see a tour in Iraq, Afghanistan, one of those places. But the bottom line is it, when you get out there and you're working with the soldiers day to day, you know, you're treating them, you're keeping them healthy. And then, uh, you know, and when you when you do provide that trauma management, uh, you know, I think it's a real good feeling and it makes you actually feel like you've done something and, uh, you know, you've served a purpose. So don't get me wrong. I'm sure it's like on the civilian side of the house, too. I'm sure they see quite a bit of trauma depending on where you are as well. But as far as en- enlisting, of course, you know, if, if they enlist to come in, then they'll have to uh, spend so many years before they could even do that. It's a little bit different when you come in as a civilian PA versus enlisting and then trying to go to PA school. If you come in as a non-PA, how difficult is it to get into the inner service PA program, and how difficult was it for you? Uh, for me, it wasn't really that difficult. I mean, there are prerequisites that you have to meet. You know, you have to have so much time in service. I really don't want to go into specifics and tell you the wrong thing, but for me, uh, it wasn't that difficult. I had already had about 13 years in the Army when I applied, and I had my associate's degree already, and I pretty much met the prereqs. So, you know, the the biggest decision for me was making the choice to switch over. I was uh, an instructor for the radiology program at Fort Sam at the time, and I was already there for a few years, and, uh, you know, I loved doing what I was doing. I loved teaching. You know, I really wanted to do something else. I really wanted to be a PA. And it was a hard decision at first because it was kind of like I was starting over again, you know, doing one thing for so many years and then uh, switching over to something else. But once I put my packet in and I saw that I was selected, it, that was it. That was all it took. But I will say, that, you know, it is pretty competitive. you got to meet the prerequisites. you got to have the grades. You know, I think you believe the SATs is what I had to take. I'm not sure if it's the same right now. But, you know, you got to score a certain amount. So, I won't say it's hard, but it is, it's competitive. You mentioned that you care for other patients other than the U.S. service personnel. Can anyone come in the clinic? Well, n- no one can just walk in. The, no, absolutely not. I mean, our, our, our top is guarded. The entry points are, uh, of course, guarded. But, you know, on, on more than one occasion, you know, we've had people, Iraqi uh, civilians and Iraqi army, for that matter, that, that were shot blown up by an IED, and, you know, they bring them here because it's close. 
And, you know, when they come to our gates, if they're injured, especially if there's any threat to their life, limb, or eyesight, we don't hesitate. We bring them in here, and we, we treat them on the spot. We uh, do whatever we have to do to stabilize them, just like they were one of our soldiers, and we evac them to a higher level of care if they need it. Now, if, you know, we treat them and, and they're stabilized, and they don't need, you know, surgery or anything on the spot, and we can evac them to an Iraqi healthcare system, like the local hospital or something, then we will do that. But we won't sacrifice care uh, in order to do that. We'll evac to our higher level of cares, you know, as long as it falls within our medical rules of engagement. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Captain Jason Lunsford, a physician assistant stationed in Iraq, discussing his experience and supportive role of the physician assistant in a combat zone. Can you describe a typical day that you have as a PA on duty? What time do you start? What time do you finish? Do you have days off? Uh, Well, we don't have days off, that's for sure, at least not where I'm at. We're open 24-7, really. I usually get on 6 o'clock, usually end up doing some paperwork in the morning. We start our sick call out here. Sick call hours are uh, from 8 to 10 gives the soldiers time to eat chow, do some PT, you know, some physical training, and then uh, come in if they have a complaint. Now, just because we have the posted sick call hours, everybody knows. And, and, and again, this is me. This is how I, I work my aid station down here. Another PA might do something completely different. But, you know, if, if the soldier has a complaint that's after sick call hours, I'm never going to turn them away. We try to get everybody in during sick call so we can free up some time to allow for training paperwork and everything else that we have going on. But, you know, I'm open 24 hours a day. I have a little room that I live in in the, in the aid station. So I'm always here. And, uh, you know, if somebody comes in, in the middle of the night with something, I'll get up and I'll see him. Um, but typically after sick call, if we have plenty of medics available at the time, and we'll do some training, have some classes. And that's not every day, but we try to train as much as possible so uh, we can keep these guys up on their skills. And then after that, for the most part, you know, it's, we're basically on standby 24-7 in case something happens. You know, our guys are always out doing something, you know, and now we're working with the, uh, more and more with the uh, Iraqi military because everything we do now, the, the new security agreement has been put in place. Everything we do really revolves around the Iraqi army, Iraqi police. So we kind of let them take the lead and we assist them. So we're just on standby for the most part, and uh, if something happens, we respond. Do you do any training of Iraqi medical personnel? Not Iraqi civilians or medical personnel, rather. We have uh, some of the Iraqi Army medics. We have uh, done a a little bit of training with in the past, but we haven't really had any significant big classes or conferences or anything like that with uh, our Iraqi counterparts around here. It's something that we've been trying to do, but it's a very hard thing to coordinate, uh, as you could probably imagine, in this area. When were you deployed, and how long do you expect your deployment to be? Uh, we got over here at the uh, the beginning of April uh, last year. Uh, we were supposed to be on a 15-month deployment. Apparently, that's gotten cut down to about 13 so we may only end up doing about 13 or 14 months. I think the jury's still out on that. I'll know for sure when I'm stepping foot on that plane. What type of backup do you have from specialists that aren't there? Do you have electronic medical resources? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's one of the great things about being out here, especially as a PA. I mean, I, we've got a telemedicine program that is unbelievable. Probably any specialty that you can name, you know, I have access to, and uh, they respond. I mean, I've, I've utilized the program many times out here, and I've gotten a response uh, within hours. So, you know, if there's a question I have, if there's a patient you know, I have, you know, I can take pictures, I can send them to them especially with dermatology. That's been my biggest thing. Take some good photos and shoot them off with a consult and, uh, you know, without putting, having to put patient information in there. And then I get a, you know, almost an immediate response back. And, uh, you know, it's been very beneficial. So, yeah, we have access to that and uh, it's a very good program. How do you keep medical records? We do have paper records uh, because we can't always rely on the computers out here, especially sometimes with the connections. But for the most part, uh, when it's working, and it has been working pretty good lately, we have uh, a computer system that we put all of our uh, medical information into. It's called MC4 system. All we do, we put the patient information in there, do the whole, you know, history and physical just like we would on a piece of paper, and uh, it's documented. It's sent up to a main server, and uh, it's stored and sent back to either Launchstool in Germany, depending on where the unit's based out of. It's sent back, and it's stored on a big server, so you can access it anywhere you go in the Army. It's a little bit difficult because, you know, if the computer is down and you got to do it on paper, you know, then, of course, we'll do a paper document and put it in a paper medical record and then ship it back with us. And then when we get back, you know, we'll end up uh, either scanning that document in and making a note in the electronic medical record or we'll just keep it in the paper document and make sure it's properly filed at the medical treatment facility. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Captain Jason Lunsford, a physician assistant stationed in Iraq, discussing his experience and supportive role of the physician assistant in a combat zone. When someone comes to you and they're injured, how do they carry their medical information with them so that you have access to that? If they have been seen here before in my aid station, then we can access you know, a previous note if they were injured previously. If they come to me injured then they will most likely have what we call like a field medical card or a trauma card. Our medics, you know, that are out there on on patrol with these guys, they carry these things around. So they will document what happened, any treatment that they did, any interventions that they did, and that will get through my door. I know what's been done, if any meds have been given already, and that will kind of guide me uh, from there. But as far as if somebody's coming from a different post or base, there is a central database in theater that I can get online and I can look up to see if they have a uh, an old note in the computer, if they've been seen by a, a provider before, especially if they've been seen at the CASH, the Combat Support Hospital, uh, or the Level 2, and the note's been done. As long as it's been uploaded into the system, then I, sh- I, I will be able to take a look at it, yes. So when your deployment is over, where are you headed? When my deployment's over, I'm headed back to uh, Baumholder, Germany. I still have about seven months left there. Hopefully, after that, I'll be uh, headed uh, to uh, Fort Sam, Houston, Texas again. I'm going to try to put in for a uh, a specialty program there, but uh, we'll have to see uh, if, if I get selected for that or not. Any interest for you with a doctorate program in the Army? 
Well, not necessarily the doctorate program. Those are enticing, but I, I, I really want to do the surgery program. And right now it's not a doctorate. It's an 18-month residency program. But, you know, I love the OR. I love surgical uh, stuff when I was doing it in PA school and especially my second year. And uh, that's really what I want to specialize in. So I'm going to put in a, a packet to apply for the general surgical residency. There are talks about making that a doctorate program, but uh, right now uh, it's still just a uh, residency. And where's your family? My wife and uh, my children are actually in uh, Baumholder as well in Germany. Captain Lunsford, thank you for sharing your perspective on life as a PA working in Iraq. On behalf of ReachMD, I'd really like to thank you for your service to our country. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.